Women in STEM fields notoriously face more gender discrimination than in any other field. Sometimes when women take a stand, they get accepted into the boys club. Other times, the door is slammed in their face and the trap door under the rug opens and they fall into obscurity. Tamara Eugenia Arbrecht Friedlander shows us that we can climb out of obscurity into the light and continue our passions. Welcome to the Girls Talk Math podcast, where the next generation of bright minds meet the trailblazing mathematicians from the one before. The Mathematicals, Ananya Jane, me, Camilla Fratta, Gabby Mariowski, and Sydney Mason, are bringing you this podcast on a famous female mathematician. Here's your host for today, Camilla. Although Tamara Eugenia Aveburg Friedlander has a German last name, her background doesn't start there. Here is Sydney to give us, and me, some more details. Aveburg Friedlander was born in Uruguay. Wait, I must interrupt. I only learned where Uruguay was on the map thanks to the World Cup this year. I learned that its capital is Montevideo. But that was not the city where she was born. Sydney actually explains that. We have no idea where she is born. And what's more, we don't even know when. All we know is that she was born sometime in the 1940s. She was of German-Jewish origin and escaped from Nazi Germany just before the Holocaust began, moving to Israel and then Uruguay. If we consider her family's religious beliefs, Jewish, and the time Arbu Friedlander was born, World War II, Maybe it does explain why the exact details of her birth are obscured. Hmm, lots of mystery. Yep, and here's some more mystery. Sometime in her early life, she must have moved to Buenos Aires, Argentina, because when she was 12, she moved from Argentina to Jerusalem in Israel. Okay. There, she completed three degrees at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. She majored in chemistry and minored in biochemistry completing her Bachelor of Science degree in 1965. And then in 1967, she completed two masters, one in physiology and the other in education. Her Master of Education certifies that she can teach grades K-12 through in Israel. It's worth noting that she never received a degree in mathematics at university or actively studied it while at a Hebrew university. However, she's become one of the most known mathematicians in her field, mathematical modeling. Interesting. And did she ever leave Israel? Yes, she did actually. In 1973, while visiting friends in the United States, she was actually offered a position at MIT to study detoxified carcinogens and tissue cultures. Um, no, Camilla. Don't interrupt me here. I also did not know what that meant. So I looked it up. Thanks, Google. I learned that this meant she was studying cancer cells. Well, as an employee of MIT, Tamara was able to take one free course every semester. Nice. I would like that. Me too. And in the spring of 1974, she began to study mathematics and statistics as one of her courses while continuing to study the carcinogens. In the summer of 1975, she shifted to becoming a full-time MIT student and received her doctorate in nutrition and food science in 1979. So, after her foreign beginnings and extensive knowledge, it is no wonder that she got called to work at Harvard. She was recruited there in 1983 to the biostatistics department, and then she began a long career in the Department of Global Health and Population at Harvard. 
So, Avebuch Friedlander hung around Harvard for a while, but what did she do exactly? For this topic, Gabby will help us out. Hi, Gabby. Hi, Camilla. I'm so glad that we get to work on this project. Me too. Can you please enlighten us on the math technicalities Avebuch Friedlander was involved in? Well, she studied biosocial interactions that caused or contributed to disease and has worked with Harvard School of Public Health to study biostatistics, global health, and population. What is biostatistics? Biostatistics is exactly what it sounds like. It's studying and analyzing statistics from biology research. This allows data to be seen more quantitatively. Biostatistics is mostly used to track human health and diseases. And is that what she did? Yes. She was very focused on the spread of sexually transmitted diseases, or STDs, like HIV and AIDS. Her mathematical models also led us to some discoveries concerning some properties of ticks. She even participated in the program on models of epidemics. Averbuch Friedlander is clearly very good at making models. Gabby explains that she would make three types of models. Models are the equations that give us graphs. The three are... Linear, exponential, and logistic graphs. Linear graphs are straight, line linear, and increase at a constant rate. Exponential graphs are on a curve, and the curve continues to steepen forever. And finally, a logistic graph is also curved, but at the end it plateaus, which means that it becomes flat at the top, indicating that it has reached the maximum capacity of whatever we are measuring. And what exactly would the graphs Avebuch Friedlander would be measuring? The graphs would be used to predict the growth in populations. The population might be an actual population, or a group of people infected with some kind of disease, or people who are susceptible to that disease, etc. This may sound like a stupid question, but are these the graphs that scare everyone about world hunger and the end of the world? Yep. Yeah, but these drastic claims may be because people don't interpret the graphs properly, one thing that we must keep in mind is that these graphs usually predict and project things, although they might not necessarily happen. As Dr. George F.P. Box said, essentially all models are wrong, but some are useful. Let me just repeat that quote for everyone. Essentially all models are wrong, but some are useful. Now Sydney will explain to us a very crucial part of Abebu Friedlander's life her sex discrimination lawsuit against Harvard University, her employer. Yes, in June of 1997, when our Booth Friedlander was in her 50s, she filed a sex discrimination suit against Harvard. This is an important lawsuit because our Booth Friedlander is believed to be the first woman to have filed a lawsuit against Harvard. Let's repeat that, woman, not just faculty member, woman in general. She sought just under a million dollars in restitution for some of her lost wages and benefits and asked for a position with the Harvard School of Public Health. Her grounds for the case were built on the fact that Provost Feinberg refused to promote her to a tenured position at Harvard because she was a woman, despite strong recommendations from the school's committee that appointed new faculty members. Their vote was 4-1 to one in her favor. Talk about discrimination! This was argued to be even more of a fault against her due to tomorrow's significant accomplishments in biomathematics, epidemiology, biostatistics, and public health. And did she suffer from more discrimination in other forms? Actually, yes. 
She continued to say that after the decision, her phone was cut off and Harvard refused to answer any requests for support because she's a woman. But finally, the jury ruled in her favor. So everything should be just peachy, right? Right. And no. What? In 2001, the Middlesex County judge, Diane Codermeyer, overruled the jury ruling, stating that the evidence was not strong enough to convict Harvard of sex discrimination and later retaliation. Tamara then decided to appeal the decision, stating that, We feel this is a great moral victory. I have great hopes that the appeals court will rule in my favor. She did not win even on that appeal. What might have been a great victory for women everywhere in STEM was thwarted, and Tamara faded to the background of Harvard and scientific world, leaving very little accessible information on her. Oh no. Well, thanks again, Sydney. Thank you. We can certainly attest that we struggled to find out who Abbe Friedlander really was and her work. Now Ananya here will delve into her legacy. Our book Friedlander impacted the STEM society to such an extent that it became part of her legacy. Her work in public health strategies led her to win the prestigious Robert Wood Johnson Foundation Investigator Award. In order to receive the award, researchers must complete a rigorous application process to gain a substantial amount of grant money. Friedlander was able to prove that she could think creatively about the most important problems affecting American health and won the award in 1995. Great. And what did she use the money for? She used the money to delve into why the public health community was caught by the surprise of the resurgence of diseases that were on the decline, such as malaria and rabies, and the appearance of apparently new diseases such as AIDS and Lyme disease. The study identified major gaps in the epidemiology framework due to fragmentation of knowledge. As a result, a research and educational strategy for integrative epidemiology was proposed. Did she find other things and earn more awards? Yes. Oh. Other endeavors that led her to receive awards were the Altrusa Foundation Award, two Harvard Provost Awards, and the Bach Mini Award for Innovations in Teaching. In addition to this, Friedlander helped to progress the multiple societies she was involved in by introducing the first sparks of feminism in STEM. These include the Society for Mathematical Biology, American Association for the Advancement of Science, the Israeli Society for Theoretical and Mathematical Biology, and was a founding member for of the new and resurgent disease working group. This group was dedicated to curing new and resurgent diseases such as malaria and AIDS. Abebuk Friedlander impacted the health sciences and was also important in people's lives. For example, Abebuk Friedlander taught Sandra Galia while at Harvard, greatly impacting the rest of his life. With Abebuk Friedlander's guidance, he was able to achieve great things in the epidemiology field. For example, he became a professor and dean at the Boston University School of Public Health, the former chair of epidemiology at the Columbia University. He also practiced emergency medicine in Canada, served in Somalia, and was named one of Time Magazine's epidemiology innovators. Friedlander was also able to establish international collaborations. For example, with Israeli students, she collaborated on emerging infectious diseases in the Middle East. With Cuban students, she was involved in researching on infectious diseases of plants. 
and with Brazilian scientists, she developed concepts to guide effective surveillance. And evidently, Tamara Eugenia Auerbuch Friedlander impacted many areas and is a crucial mathematician in our times. Now I'd like to close with some questions that I asked Ananya. Auerbuch Friedlander had a difficult time breaching into the male majority society of STEM. How can you relate to this today? Well, Camila, today only about 24% of women occupy STEM jobs. Women are often underestimated in their quality of work and subjected to sexist comments. Young women are discouraged into believing that they can be better and brighter than men. I personally have felt like this. I felt that I was idiotic when it came to being baffled on some questions that my male peers easily understood. However, on a more in-depth discussion, I realized that they were confused on other problems that I easily understood. So like our book Friedlander, sure, I had some bad experiences in my life because I'm a woman, but I will not and did not let that reduce me as a person. That's very inspiring. And why do you think there isn't much information on our book Friedlander? Is it because she's a woman in STEM and does not deserve the recognition? Or maybe because the world tends only to remember the legacies of those dead? Well, Camila, I think there wasn't any information on Freelander, mainly because she made differences in the area of mathematics that people do not have awareness towards. She helped combat problems that the general public didn't even know existed. I do agree with the fact that it may be because she's a woman, or the fact that she isn't dead that she isn't remembered. This is because the world tends to remember the accomplishments of men and the dead. I don't know why. Maybe it's because of the prejudice against women because of the gender gap or because many people are ridiculed for solving problems that are yet to be on a larger scale when they are alive. And by the time they're recognized as a pandemic, the person is dead. If Google was to do a spotlight image above their search bar on Averbuch Friedlander, what do you think they would incorporate and why? Well, I think they would include the Harvard crest because it embodies mm -hmm. two significant parts of her life. One being where the majority of her research took place and where it was funded and the other being the place where Tamara stood up for herself and with the gender discrimination charges. Another thing to include could be the Star of Life logo, which is seen on ambulances, to indicate her participation towards public health and the mathematical epidemiology fields by being a bio-mathematician. What impact did Averbuch Friedlander's trial have on women in STEM today? Are they more inspired to stand up for injustice against them? Can you think of any recent trials that are similar to Averbuch Friedlander's gender discrimination one? Well, the trial gave women courage to stand up to injustice. It gave a role model to several young women and indicated that they weren't the only ones feeling oppressed in the workforce. I can think of the Harvey Weinstein case off the top of my head. A female actress had reported that she was assaulted by the famous producer. As the case progressed, more and more female actresses stood up and said they felt the same. And at the end, Weisenstein was battling more than 50 women over assault cases. Even today, there is gender discrimination cases, and Alpha Book Friedlander has taught us that there is a moment that a woman will face. Women will need to choose whether to be silent or stand up, and Alpha Book Friedlander has told us to stand up against all odds. Thank you, Ananya, for discussing this with me today. Thank you. We are infinitely grateful that Tamara Eugenia Auerbuch Friedlander stayed strong in spite of all of her adversities. She shows all of us how difficult it is to be a woman in STEM and how to overcome it by staying strong. This podcast was made possible thanks to the founders of Girls Talk Math, Francesca Bernardi and Katrina Morgan. 
We also give thanks to Mark Collins, who helped us with the basics of podcasting, Sam and Tara, our team leaders, and finally, Tamara, Eugenia, Averbuk, Friedland. Thank you for being you. Girls are smart. Every equation you do is a form of art. It's time to get together, fly a rocket, build a house, and control the weather with math. 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 Yes. Who here likes math and is not a man? You could be a female mathematician!